Um, I was having a little chat with God, as often I, I do, and um, he really started to talk to me about what, what is my foundation, what is the foundation for my life. And actually, um, it was funny because immediately as I was having a little chat, he said to me, you know, the most important thing is really to love him and to trust him yeah. as a foundation for my life. And the more I thought about it, I said, wow, I had to kind of dig and stay with those themes, you know, for a couple of months and wrestle with it. And I realized that, you know, every time I fall out of love with God a little bit, it looks like my service for him or even the things I do in my life, they become a little bit like a series of chores and duties. Then actually, when I'm really fully in love with him, I'm able to do even difficult things, things I don't like, as unto him. And I'm very happy. So yes, loving him is such a foundation. But the other foundation is trusting him. And the other thing I realize is when actually I take my eyes off Jesus a little bit and stop trusting him, what happens is the burden falls back on my shoulder. And straight away... I feel a weight on my shoulder. I feel I have to make things happening, you know. And I can as well no longer carry certain dreams through because I know I can't control things and I'm left with that sense of burden. So loving him and trusting him, I so realize that has to be the foundation of my life. And I wonder how many of us are actually in this situation that sometimes we try to carry burden ourselves when actually we are not meant to carry those burdens. We are meant to learn to trust Him fully. Learn to trust Him. Tr- trust that He's going to work things out for good for us. You know? And I think it is part of, of fighting our, our battles. Part of learning how to fight our battles is actually learning to trust in Him. Learning how to lean on him. Learning that he's actually fighting for us, that we are not alone in the battle. It's funny because actually this thing was actually in the new song Andrew taught us this morning. You know, it's actually, the victory is is his, it's his battle too. We need to trust in him, surrender in him. So trust in him, that's what I would like to talk about this morning. How to trust in him. Because we know we all, all often say that. Oh, I need to trust you. Oh, I trust you. But actually, what does that really mean? What does that really mean? How to concretely uh, work in life out of resting in Him, out of a position of peace. How to do that? Right. You know, trusting someone, what does it mean? Trusting someone is actually firmly believing that that person is fully reliable and fully able to do something. You agree? So if we think about trusting in God, that means if I trust in God, I have complete confidence in Him, in His character, and His willingness, and His power to act for good on my behalf. That's what it means. I fully trust you, God. That means I have confidence in you. I have confidence that you're willing to act for my good. That's what it means. But 
But what is interesting is that trusting as a belief is not enough. Retrust always follow actions. You know? Uh, let me explain a little bit. So, for example, my confidence and my assurance in people or in objects always follow actions. So if I say, yes, I trust my car, it's reliable. That means when I get in my car, I am not anxious that it's going to break down. I'm going to be happy to go on a long journey knowing that I can trust it's reliable and it's going to get me there. Yes? You get mm. If I'm starting to get this feeling, oh, this car is a little bit getting old, and, you know, I don't know if I'm going to make it. That's, that means I don't trust my car. You, really, you, 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 you get me, yeah? So, it, for example, if I tell my 12 years old daughter, who is Lava, is over there? Hi, Clemens. <laughs> if I say to her, yes, I trust you to operate this kettle. And then I tell her, no, 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 don't do a cup of tea, you're going to burn yourself. Yeah. Effectively, what I'm saying is, I don't trust her with the kettle. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. So you could see, it's not just, oh, I believe she can operate the kettle. It's actually, I'm going to put my words in action and say, please, go and make me a cup of tea. You see what I'm saying? So it's not just enough to say, I trust in you, God. I believe you are good, big, powerful. But what are going to be my actions that say, yes, Lord, I'm trusting you. What are going to be my actions? Because my actions are actually real evidences of my trust. Okay? I'm talking for myself right now. I'm talking for myself first and foremost. You know, sometimes we're making this big statement. Jesus, God, I trust you. I trust you. But, but we are all in, on a journey, are we? I think an accurate statement, a more accurate statement would be, God, for this part of my life, I trust you. I have learned that in this area you are faithful, so I know I can trust you and I've let that go. But if we're honest, we turn into other areas and we're like, oh, for this area, if I'm honest, I'd rather do it myself. <laughs> because I'm not sure, God, you are going to go through because I'm, I've not learned there to le lean on you. I have not yet built, you know, this confidence in you, yes? And in other area, we're thinking, Oh, no, actually, I'm keeping that. Yeah? So, I think, if we're really honest, it's a journey trusting God. A big general statement needs to be brought down and say, God, God, how can I learn? How can I learn to trust you more? This is a journey that leads to personal transformation. This is a journey that demands that my beliefs impact the way I live. The way I live my life in trusting God. Yeah? So that's why I'd like to really dig a little bit more. I had a really good look at the, actually, I'll put it here, at uh, the proverb, proverb third. Okay? And this verse is really a well known verse 
probably everybody in this room have heard of this verse. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding in all your ways. Submit to him. Sometimes it's acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We all know that verse, yes? So it sounds so good, that verse, isn't it? And sometimes you look at it and say, but how? What does it really mean? Um, and when I digged a little bit further, it became clearer to me that to understand these verbs, you need to anchor this verse in the whole chapter 3. So I, I'm not going to read the whole chapter 3 because it takes me for ages. <laughs> but I really command you to, to go and, you know, basically, please go home and have a little look at chapter 3 and read it very slowly. Because in there, there is wisdom of what it means to put actions on <coughs> trusting God. What it means in my lifestyle, you know, what it means to trust God. What are the actions behind? And effectively in that chapter you will see there's a lot of wisdom on what's going to be my concrete decision, the decision from my heart in order to trust God. And what are the things that I'm going to run away from in order to trust God. Okay, So I'm going to try to look at a few of these um, uh, little points. Some of the points are going to go really fast. And some of the points I will dig a little bit more. To, to be honest, we could do a whole series just on chapter 3. But I'm not going to do that. Okay. Otherwise, tomorrow we'll be here. Okay. So, but from there, my thing, okay. from there I've got uh, five aspects um, that I would like to look at. So the first aspect, to trust God, we need to learn to depend on him. And not be wise in our own eyes and not lean on our own understanding. So the thing we do is we learn to depend on him and we turn away our back um, from trying to do the things in our own understanding. Okay? And I think this is, this is really from the perspective to recognize in our heart that God is God and we are human. Yeah. He knows, and we don't know everything. And he's the one who is our father to, to whom we come and pray, Father, hallowed be your name. We submit to you, God. We accept that sometimes we can't understand everything. We accept that sometimes there are mysteries. We, we, will, we will understand maybe once we meet you in heaven. But right now we can't understand. But we accept we want to wait for your timing. And, and we accept that we need you. We need you. And because we need you in our times of need, what we do is first we cry out to him. Not, I'm trying by myself and then later on, I'm, maybe I will cry out to God if I've run out of options. <laughs> but no, I learn to depend on him. I'm crying out to him first in the time of need. That's what it means to not to depend on him and not our own understanding and our own wisdom. We cry out to him. And it says, with all your heart, with undivided affection, you turn to him in your time of needs. When um, um, Jimmy was reminding me of uh, this quote that uh, Bill Johnson often says, bold faith sits on the cho- shoulder of childlike trust. Mm-hmm. And it's coming from that position 
that winning him is our father, we are the children, but he makes us strong. But it's in an act of dependency, you know, uh, of him, from him. You know, it's a very countercultural thing because I think right from birth, we are taught, rightly so sometimes, you know, we are taught to be independent. That's what it is to grow. Okay? And we are taught to work hard, deserve things, go after things. You know, don't let go. You know, yeah, we are taught all these things. Part of it, you know, work hard, there's, there's a lot of value of working out, you know, and sewing, and all of that have got good values. But we need to have the right lenses which, which says, God, you are here. God, you are first. God, you are the almighty. And I am surrounding my life to you. Yes? So that's the first thing, trusting in him, is to come from that position. Yeah. That he is God. He is God. I am, I am going to depend on him and not try to do things by myself, by my own wisdom. <laughs> the second point says, submit to him or acknowledge him in all your ways. It speaks to me, this picture it speaks to me a lot about daily actions. Acknowledge him in all your way, daily, through everything, through the good and the bad. You know, even the non-Christian know how to cry out to God when everything goes through the pan. Yeah? They, they do know how to cry out to God when there's no option. But we are meant to acknowledge him in all our ways, even when everything is extremely good. Even when we are extremely successful and we're doing super well. And we are blessed. We acknowledge Him. We say, thank you, God, for your provision. We say, thank you, God, for this amazing job. We say, God, thank you for my family. Thank you for, yes. So there's a lot of thanksgiving, grateful heart. You know, heart that connects to God by acknowledging in every way. It's really about that. It's about connecting, connecting throughout the day. Every day, we acknowledge Him in all all of your all his ways, yes. In all um, in all circumstances, whatever we're doing, whether we're rejoicing, whether we're celebrating, whether we're going through hardship, whether we're pressing for breakthrough, it's a little bit tough. We acknowledge him in all his way, and we pursue him in a daily, daily, daily basis. Is that good? Yeah. Right. The third one is. To fear the Lord and run away from evil. Okay, and you've got a scripture there. I might not even mention you, but you know, so yeah. So fear the Lord and run away from evil. Evil, you know, fear the Lord is one of these things. Sometimes we don't understand what it means, and surely fearing the Lord is not the fear of hell and damnation. Are you safe in this room? Yeah? yeah? Who's going to heaven and knows it? <laughs> Show me your hand. <laughs> yeah? Okay. So you have no fear of hell and damnation, yeah? And you know that um, his love casts out all fear. Mm. And actually, uh, the punishment for your sins have been cast on Jesus. Jesus. So we're not 
to be fearing, you know, punishment or things like that. The fear of the Lord does not mean, you know, when is he going to strike me? Okay. No, because God is not like that. The fear of the Lord is this utter respect and love for him so much that we want to keep his commandments. We want to obey him. That's what the fear of the Lord means. So, if you want to trust God, if you want to trust God and learn to trust in him, one of the actions is to learn to love him and obey his commandment. Keep his commandment. Keep what he's saying. Because all of these things are for your good. So we learn, we learn to follow his commandments. And our walk would be affected. So you see, we are taking holiness very, very seriously. Because our hearts becomes so tender to correction. Because we want to be transformed from glory to glory. And we know it's got amazing purpose. So our hearts become, you know, yeah, yeah, oh God, you are so amazing and holy. Yeah, teach me, teach me how to keep this. Teach me how to do the right thing. That's the fear of the Lord. That's the real fear of the Lord. Yeah? It's really interesting because... You know, Jesus doesn't want to just keep you from sinning. He wants to develop you mm. to be more like Jesus. Yes, yes. Can you see the glorious purpose in it? Interestingly enough as well, in that set chapter, the chapter four, uh, 3 of Proverbs, verse 11, it says, again, a very well-known verse, you're going to recognize it straight away, it says, do not despise the Lord's rebuke because he disciplined those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. Yeah. And you know, I saw, I've heard this verse often quoted as, out of context. And he always sounded a little bit harsh, like, do not despise the Lord's rebuke. You know, I can't even do the accent when I'm doing that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's this kind of... I think if you hear God to speak, speak to you through the Bible like that, it's, you, you don't have a right perspective of God the Father. Seriously. Because if you read the whole verse, it says, He disciplines those He loves. As a father, the son He delights in. So the truth is, He loves you so much. He loves, like our, our own children, okay? Sometimes we have to correct them. But it's not to break them. It's not to punish them. We correct them because we want to, them to grow as strong, beautiful people. Mm-hmm. Full of purpose. And that's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of the Father. So the fear of the Lord, again, it's not this fear of punishment over my life. Because God is not a preacher. The punishment has been put on Jesus. There's plenty in our lives who can go wrong, right? But we mustn't read that as the punishment of the Lord. Sometimes, sometimes things go wrong in life. And that's just because we are in a fallen world. 
because the world is full of sinners and the, the sinners will hurt you. Okay? And it's a broken world, so, so things will break down, things will go wrong. That's, that's, that's life. Sometimes things go wrong because we make bad choices. It's true. So sometimes we have to deal with the consequences of our bad choices. Sometimes they are attacked from the devil. We know that. Jamie talked uh, about it last week. The devil is real. But God is much superior and much mightier. Yeah? So we're not fearing that. Sometimes God will correct us. And it's a little difficult. But the correction of the Lord doesn't come without <coughs> this idea, I'm going to punish you, I'm angry at you. That is not the correction of the Lord. The correction of the Lord is, is gentle. It stirs your heart in the right way. It builds you up. It changes you. I have a really good example of the correction of the Lord. I was reading a book by Heidi Becker this week, and there was a quote in it. I was thinking, oh, yes, I know that correction of the Lord myself, <laughs> if I may say. And it was the quote If you have an attitude of self sufficiency, I can do it myself attitude, God will let you try, oh, God will let you try to do it yourself for a while. <laughs> eh? Meaning, meaning, yeah, well, stay a bit in your difficulties if you've not learned. If you've not learned to lean on me and you're leaning in your own understanding, it might be possible that God lets you stew a little bit and he won't rush to rescue you because you, le- you need to learn you need to learn that, that you need to trust him and you need to cry out to him. You, that's the kind of correction of the Lord. It's gentle. And the answer in that is like, oh God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I've been trying by myself. And I need you to come and break through. But it's gentle. It's like a father. Say, okay, you've got to learn to. You've got to learn that. Okay, and he will. He will. He will steward you to learn that thing. So the fear of the Lord is not the fear of being punished. And actually, this is completely reinforced in that chapter when you read the verse twenty-five and twenty-six, which is are amazing verses, because in that it says in Proverbs three. 25-26, have no fear, no fear of sudden disaster of the ruin that overtake the wicked. Amen. So it's clear. God's intention for us is peace and rest and not the fear of sudden disaster or ruin because he's going to be at our side and he will protect Amen. us from Amen. our foot being yeah. smeared. Yeah? So we rest in the Lord, trusting in Him, learning what it means to keep His commandment. That's what it means to fear the Lord. Keeping His commandment will get us there. And we run away from evil. And in the chapter at the end, there's a big list of the kind of evil we might be tempted to do. Okay? And we run away from that. We run away from... Uh, holding good from our neighbors. 
We run away from arming people. We run away from accusing wrongly people. We run away from envy. We run away from perversion and mockery. And it says, do not be tempted by evil. You see, it dawned on me, and I mean, we could spend a lot of time in the battle. I think it's self-explanatory. I think running away from evil, it's actually another way of saying, don't take matters in your own hands. And don't try to get satisfaction by yourself. Because when I read that list, that's what it means. You know, when people do us harm, I want to, I'm not wishing them blessing, that's not my first thought. <laughs> if I'm honest, is that your first thought? No. You, inside you're like, <clears throat> flipping neck. What? This is not fair. And I just want to go and bust their heads. I mean, that's my, my you know, I've never done it, but yes, you, you, the thought comes, you know, and then you obviously, you know, sometimes you know better, you say, okay, you know, that's, that's not the solution, you have to calm down, but the anger is there, yes? Mm. Uh, and when we, we are satisfied with life, and we take it on our own hand, we start by envy. Oh, I wish I had that, but it's not fair, Lord. What have I got not to better color this? What have I got, not, you know, etc. The list of envy you can. So I came to the conclusion, and actually that's the first time I saw it, I said, yes, actually, running away from evil, it's literally, again, trust the Lord. Do not take matters in your own hands and be tempted to do evil. And isn't it what the devil did in the first place? Yeah. He won't take things for himself. So he took matters in his own hand. And obviously, he fell as an angel. Can you see? So running away from evil is do not try to take matters in your own hand and find satisfaction in your own ways. That's a concrete way. That's a concrete way to say, I am going to trust the Lord. I am going to put down my weapons. I'm going to start to bless my enemies. This is a hard one, isn't it? It is not, none of that is easy. But I'm learning to trust the Lord. So I'm concretely, yes God, I am going to try to bless my enemies. I am going to let go of that. I'm going to forgive. What a big weapon is forgiveness. I'm going to try to let go and forgive. Because I trust in you. I trust you are right. I trust you my provider. I trust you got to, you, I mean, Justice is at the foundation of his throne. Yeah. It says in the Bible, I trust you're going you're gonna to come through and justice will, come, will prevail. Mm. Because justice is at the foundation of your throne. Yes. For everything in my life, I don't take matters in my own hand. Again, I, we come back to number one, number two. Uh, you know, depend on him. Depend on him. And follow his commandment. Do what he says. Okay, fourth. These two points are going to go super fast, so don't sit there thinking, oh no, she's going to be all around and Right, number four, honor God with your wealth and give your first fruit. Ha, huh, that's about giving. That's about tithing. I mean, if you believe in, 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 I mean, it's a good principle, tithing, okay? That's in the Old Testament. 
time. Give 10% of what you earn. First to God. That was the principle in the Old Testament. There's a lot of debate about that. The, actually, the New Testament is even stronger. It says give everything to God. <laughs> so I would say 10% it's a safe bet for a good start. <laughs> okay? It's a safe bet. Okay? Jimmy and I, we don't particularly, personally, personally, we, we don't think that, I mean, we, we prefer praying and say, God, give us a target. I mean, obviously, it's above 10%. <laughs> but, you know, we, we pray and we say, God, oh, what would challenge us this year? And we, we kind of see what, what target we, 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 we get a conviction for it. So I'm not going to say, you have, you have, you have. That's legalism. It's not like that. Uh, and actually, in this house, we don't really like talking about money too much. Uh, but we know there's a principle. Amen. We know there's a principle that if you give to God, He will bless you. Amen. Amen. And you know what? It nurtures your heart connection and your dependency on it because the heart isn't it. When you give and you need, when you need the money and you give it, isn't it your best way of saying, I'm going to depend on you? Amen. No? You know, your money, you know, what, how, how you spend your money, that's where your heart is. You know, if you have a hobby and you spend all your money, I don't know, go golfing, that's not my case, so I'm sure not anyone is expensive. But if you're into golf and you spend all your money on golfing, that's sure where your heart is, isn't it? So I think God is saying, you know, just, just love me and trust me. And this is a practical, practical, practical way. If you say, I trust you, Lord... Where, okay, where is the action? Where is the action? Okay. Um, I could give you hundreds of stories of miracle of provision that God has done in particularly in our life, you know, and I will only give you one is um, when Jimmy and I we got married, well, we were very poor. Uh, so I'm not gonna go into the detail, but this was not pretty. Um, in two thousand and one we had the opportunity to buy our first house. And we were earning so little between us two. We were both working and earning very little. We were earning so little between us two that the bank would only, 2001, it's not that long ago, would only let us borrow £33,000 for a mortgage. That was it. That's all we could borrow from the bank. And very luckily, we were in an area where the house were dead cheap, so we could buy a house, okay? So we just buy... I mean, family helped us a little bit. We managed to buy our first house. Just. Uh, and I cannot even give you the detail of what happened in the next nine years, buying and selling a house in a miraculous way. But then when we moved into this area, 2010, we were able to buy a house in Plumstead. Mm. Okay? So that's a huge job. Yeah. That's a, that's more than a two hundred and fifty thousand pound job, <laughs> yeah. okay. And that was only because of God. Mm. Yeah. That was only because of God. Because you could imagine if you start with a mortgage of thirty three thousand pound, it doesn't get you long. So, and I do believe that that's not because I deserve it. That's not because I deserve it. But I do believe that God saw something about our faithfulness in giving yes. and always putting him first. Always putting him first. Then the last one, pursue wisdom. 
proves you wisdom. There's amazing, amazing passage in this chapter 3 about wisdom, how important it is wisdom. And please read it, read it in detail. It could be an entire preach wisdom. But wisdom of God is the most precious thing you can actually possess. Remember the story of Solomon. Okay? When God said to Solomon, ask for whatever you want, I will give it to you. What did Solomon ask? You can read that in 1 King 3. It says, I would like a discerning heart. In other way, wisdom. I would like wisdom. And God was so amazed by that, that he said to him, not only... I am going to give you exceptional discernment, but I will give you as well wealth and honor. And effectively it happened. And we, we know he didn't get everything right in his life, Solomon, right? But kings and queens would come from uh, faraway countries and admire the wisdom of the kingdom of Solomon. The craftsmanship, how he managed to build things, how he managed to fruit fructify in the land, how he managed to, 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 to multiply his wealth, etc., etc. Yeah? The wisdom of the Lord is so important. And we have this promise in James 1, 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all. That was that. <laughs> Without finding fault. And it will be given to you. There's so many great bits in that verse. So all of you can have wisdom. Without finding fault. Isn't it amazing? He will give it to you. He will give it to you. And I often think about that for my own life. You know, if you... Um, if you do something in your human wisdom, there's nothing wrong about human wisdom per se but if you do something in your human wisdom you will you will reap the natural fruit of that wisdom so uh, okay uh, I'm good at saving that's kind of human wisdom so I put uh, that's a theoretical thing I'm not talking about myself by the way but I say I put money in the bank so I will get human reward for that which is the interest rate yeah, you see what I'm saying? Uh, so I'm good at, uh, you know, I, I raise my kids in the love of God, uh, and as well I show them good principle, we, you will reap that. That's sowing and reaping. Okay? Now, if you go after God's wisdom, you tap into supernatural reward. So if you start to do things and, and you're at work, and even, even if you know what to do in your human intelligence, Start to say, but God, but God, what would you do? God, supernatural wisdom will release to you kingdom reward. That means the things you cannot do by your own effort, but the things that God can do that are beyond our understanding, beyond our imagination, beyond our abilities. You know, a little bit like what's happening with us with um, uh, the favor we suddenly have with local authority. Okay, we could have for years and years knock on doors and maybe we would have get some, got some fruit. But instead we pray and we pray for God to provide, you know, uh, a door, an opportunity. And God did it and it was easier. Yes. So now, you know, just by engaging with the right person, God opens a door. 
So it's really uh, important to pursue wisdom. Okay, so here we are. There's five really uh, points on how to trust God in action. To depend on him, to acknowledge him, to fear the Lord, to honor God with your wealth and give your passport and pursue wisdom. What is amazing is, and that would be my conclusion, is when you actually do these things in action, God will bless you with so many things. There's so many promises attached to those things that I just talked about. So for example, and I'm just going to read them out. If you trust God and keep his commandment, which is the fear of the Lord, if you trust God and keep his commandment, it says in verse 8, he will prolong your life by bringing health to your body and nourishment to (coughs) your bones. So keep his commandment, he will give you health. Then verse 2, he will bring peace and prosperity to you. Another promise here. If you keep his commandment, it will bring peace and prosperity to you. If you submit to God and acknowledge, acknowledge him in all your way, it will make your path straight. So in the midst of difficulties, you can trust that he will come and rescue you and make a path for you. So keep hanging there and trusting him. The third one, trusting God with giving your first fruit will give you an abandoned life. An abandoned life. It says your bars will be overflowing, so you will have more than enough, and your vats will brim over with new wine. You will overflow. And that would be spiritually as well. So it would be, it's a picture of your real prosperity, but as well your spiritual prosperity. You will overflow with new wine. More than enough of life and hope to give away. Because you actually trust God and you give your first fruit. Trust God and push you in wisdom. Oh, there's a huge chunk here. Oh, that's amazing. Read verse 21 to verse 26. But I'm summarizing there. Trusting God and push you in wisdom will give you life. Will keep you safe. I love that one. Will give you sweet sleep. Yes. It will give you sweet sleep. So if you're not sleeping very well, yeah. say, God, give me your wisdom so I'm not going to worry and stress and give me your sweet sleep like you promised. You will not be afraid. That's another promise. And I love this one. It will make you attractive. <laughs> because it says, I, I'm only, you know, it says it's like an ornament of um, ornament to grace your neck. So, so wisdom would be like an ornament to grace your neck. So it's a picture of, yeah, look at us. We have wisdom. And lastly, trusting the Lord and walking with love and faithfulness will give you favor with God and man. Isn't it good? Amen. Do you want to conclude? Yeah, well. mm.